0: Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful to gather together in the beauty of your creation. But we just are so thankful for the gift of being together. And we just recognize, Lord, how important it is to have times like this where we can seek you, give praise, learn from your word together. So we pray um, uh, continue to be at work in this time. Help me um, this morning um, as I teach from your word. And we give you all thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a joy uh, to be with uh, all of you this morning. It's just great. And again, thankful uh, that uh, I got to be here on such a beautiful day. Um, I recognize some of you. Some of you I don't recognize either because you're wearing a mask or maybe you're new to Restoration since the last time um, I was with you. Uh, But again, uh, I just know Church of the Cross, we are so thankful for um, the work um, that God is doing here at Restoration. It has been such a huge encouragement to Molly and I, my wife Molly and I, um, uh, hearing testimonies from Rick and Molly and others of you that we've talked to, uh, just how God has continued to build up restoration, even during this time where you guys have had to be apart and now are able to gather together um, in this uh, area. Um, We've just appreciated the creativity and, again, the ways um, you all have uh, really come together in new um, and unique ways, and we just praise God with you. Um, And... uh, 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 just so you know, you know, Church of the Cross, we're learning from Restoration and Redeemer, and we're all sharing together during this time, uh, trying to figure out what's the best way we can go forward. And that's, uh, that's been one of the joys in a really difficult time, is actually the camaraderie and the coming together in new ways, as we just try to figure out how to navigate um, church. Um, I'm going to uh, begin um, with a, uh, a story um, from the uh, movie The Princess Bride. I'm sharing this hoping that most of you, I hope, are familiar with that movie. If you aren't, I recommend it. Maybe for kids, you may want to screen it. There are a few moments that we tend to forget, and then we rewatch a movie with our children and remember the inappropriate moments. But um, overall, it can get a, a major um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, thumbs up uh, from me. Uh, but this moment in um, The Princess Bride, and again, if you don't know the movie, it may not make a lot of sense to you Uh, but there are two men, two friends Inigo Montoya and uh, Fezzik who um, have brought um, uh, another man, um, Wesley to Miracle Max Um, and Wesley is dead unfortunately and they are bringing him to Miracle Max because they are hoping that Miracle Max can do a miracle and bring Wesley back to life Miracle Max however says he only would do this if Wesley has a really good reason to be brought back to life if he has a very good reason to live and so Inigo and Fezek try to explain to Miracle Max, here's the reasons why he has to live. But Miracle Max says, I want to hear it directly from Wesley. Um, and they say, well, he's, he's dead, he can't tell you what reason he has to live. Um, and Miracle Max explains, he's actually only mostly dead. Um, and so he gets out these big bellows things. Again, if you've seen the movie, it makes sense. If not, you're thinking, what? Um, uh, but he gets these big bellows that you have like for a fireplace, place. And he blows air into Wesley's lungs. And then he um, gets down, whispers in his ear, and he says, what reason do you have to live? And then he pushes on his chest. And do you remember what Wesley says? Say it loud, you have mass on. True True love, yes, true love. And Miracle Max says, true love, that is the greatest thing there's ever been. And then he adds, except maybe a really well-made mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, Um, uh, which is not really important to the sermon, but it's a funny line in the movie. Um, uh, But to come back to that, true love is the greatest thing there is. We actually as Christians, right, as believers in the Word of God would say, yes, we agree. Right, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, Right, where Paul extols the, the beauty and truth of love. What does he say at the end? He says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The true love is truly great. And then our passage today from Romans 12, the second part of Romans 12, I know Rick preached on the first part last week. Um, it begins, let love be genuine. Let love be true. I'm um, actually, literally, it's let love be non-hypocritical. <laughs> love should not be hypocritical, love should be true. And so um, Paul is upholding true love. And when you read this passage, maybe you felt this when it was read um, this morning, it can be a little overwhelming. It can feel like a long list of all these things we should be doing. And, and in a sense it is. Um, but I think one way we can read it that helps us to read is actually to read the beginning of verse 9, let love be genuine, And sort of the intro to the whole um, rest of the passage. What does genuine love look like? What does true love look like according to the Word of God? Right? What is the true love we're supposed to um, live out? Well, here it is, written out for us. And so I want to consider, and I won't be considering every single exhortation here, but I want to consider some of these, again, in light of the big question, what is true love? What does true love look like? What are some of the marks of true love for us as followers of Christ? And the first thing we can say is that true love is active. I mean, and we would probably say, well, yeah, of course. a matter of fact, probably the, the way we would define sort of false love, or maybe if you've experienced, in a sense, hypocritical love, is it was love that, you know, someone said they loved you, but didn't show it in their actions, right? And so if, you know, false love is love that's not acted out and not lived out, then, of course, true love is love that is active. And we just see that. Look at, you know, first uh, paragraph. You know, hold fast to what is good. Love one another. Outdo one another be fervent, rejoice, contribute, all these active words. And I think it's fair to say it's not just active here, it's like eagerly active. It's like Paul is saying, look, I want, you know, any sort of competitiveness you have in you, (laughs) any desires to be better than others, do that, live that out in how you love one another, right? I love outdo one another in showing honor. Right? If you're feeling kind of tired right now, man, it just seems like everyone wants to outdo one another. Hey, here's how we can outdo one another. We can outdo one another in showing honor to one another. But if you're like me, you, you read this activity in here. Maybe it excites you a little bit. I hope so. And you think, yes, I want that. But maybe you also read it and you just feel a little tired. And maybe you're reading you think, okay, be fervent in spirit, and, and give, and, and contribute, and don't be slothful, and, and, and you feel like, wow, I'm just realizing how exhausted I am by reading this passage. Um, and I, again, I, I think, you know, being tired is kind of just a part of life, but I don't think I'm alone in that we're in a season where everything just takes a lot of effort right now, right? I mean, so glad some of you are here, but it took effort this morning to bring a chair and to put a mask on and to find where we were meeting in the park, right? And it's just everything right now. And I know usually in this season of the fall, you know, you know school is starting and... Some vacations have ended and the fall is kicking off. I've often found that this is a time of kind of new energy. But at least I'm feeling this year, and again, I don't think I'm alone, of sort of like, oh man, it's the end of the summer and I'm as tired as I've ever been. <laughs> and I'm feeling more tired. And I want to encourage you um, as we look at this, again, not to read it as, well, here's another list of to-do. Here's the other things that you have to work yourself up with. You, know, you have to kind of force yourself to be excited about this rather to read this as growing out of the love that we receive from the Lord, right? So that's the second thing we can say about true love. It is active, but it is based and it grows out of a receiving love from God, right? As we trust in Him, we then live out that love, right? But the order is important, right? When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commitment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And again, I think the order is important there. I think as we first love God and we receive his love, we are enabled and we are empowered then to love our neighbors as ourselves. And actually, even there, it's important that we're reading um, Romans 12 in context, right? And pastors, we love talking about context. So you got the context, not just of Romans chapter 12, again, as Rhett preached about last week, you know, seeking the um, transforming of our mind through the Lord's work, um, uh, the renewing of our mind. Um, but we can read Romans 12 in the context of all the whole book of Romans, right? Where we have 1 through 11, this incredible theology of the love of God and what it means to be saved and the power of sin, but the greater power of grace, right? And then, in, starting in 12 in the book of Romans, you get, now here's how you live it out. And so we need to read this in the context of the incredible love of God. This is an outgrowth of what we've received. And so we need God's help to do this, right? We need God's help to have the energy to do this, right? Be fervent in spirit. We need the spirit of God to give us this fervency because I just don't think we can make it up. Maybe a gift right now of this difficult season we're in is we just can't fake it right now. At least I can't fake it anymore. I'm realizing, God, I need your help because I can't do it in my own strength because, you know, it's just too hard right now to even try to do it in our own strength. And so how does God help us? Well, one, again, we need his help because things that we may say, oh, I can do this, we just realize we can't do. I mean, take the second part of Romans, uh, uh, verse 9 there. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And we say, oh, yeah, okay, well, that one's easy, right? Don't do evil, do good. But then we remember, right, what did Paul talk about in Romans 7, in the chapter 7 of Romans? He says, the things I want to do, right, the good I want to do, I don't do. evil that i don't want to do i do so he's already acknowledged apart from the lord without the grace of the lord and the spirit of god we're going to have a hard time even abhorring what is evil and holding fast to what is good but not only that but the fact is often we don't know what is evil and what is good apart from the lord right we need his help we think we know and sometimes we do but sometimes what we actually think is good for us is actually according to the word of god harmful what we think maybe isn't so good, actually the Word of God tells us it is good. We need His help to live this out. And so take, for instance, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I mean, be honest, right? If you read that and it wasn't in the Bible, if you know you read that somewhere on a bumper sticker or something, you'd be like... I don't know about that, you know, I'm not sure about that, right? I mean, right now people are, are not only resisting that right now, I mean, this has always been true, right? We don't even resist that, we resist even blessing those who disagree with us, let alone blessing those who persecute us. And so we read that and we say, well, man, upon the Lord, I don't know if I believe that, but God is telling me that this is what we're to cling to, this is the good, actually, to bless those who persecute us. And the evil we're supposed to abhor is actually to attack and try to persecute back those who persecute us. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean help those who persecute you to continue in their persecution, right? Obviously, it's not loving to encourage someone to continue doing something that's wrong and harmful. And the Bible is very clear. We are to work towards justice, right? Towards righteousness. And so, it's not saying, hey, turn a blind eye to injustice, encourage it. But it is telling us, respond, actually, in love respond in a way that will actually turn those who persecute you away from their persecution, away from the evil that they're doing. And so if you jump down to um, verse 20 uh, of this quote from um, Proverbs 25, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. What is blessing those who persecute us? It means if they're hungry, you feed them, even if it's your enemy. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And then we have a very curious ending, For so, by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. I don't know if you heard this verse when you were a kid, but I remember as a kid thinking, that sounds kind of cool. Like, I don't know what it means, but keeping burning coal Since someone said, like, we shouldn't be supposed to do it, but the Bible's saying we're supposed to. Um, and some people read that and say, okay, that's talking about judgment. And clearly in the context, it is talking about judgment. It's talking about the vengeance of God, that God says vengeance is mine. But also in the context, we're being told we're not the ones who judge. So I don't believe that point there is, hey, if you're kind um, to your enemy, Well, then eventually you get to put burning coals on their head and judge them, right? That would tend to go against the heart of it. I believe what that burning coals is, is actually speaking to the burning of regret, the burning of shame. Then actually responding in love to those who persecute us, to our enemies, whatever that looks like for us. Hopefully, Lord willing, will actually lead to them burning with shame, burning with regret, and turning away from the evil things that they're doing. That's what we're called to. And again, let's just acknowledge, apart from the Lord, how do we do that? Right? I mean, how do we love our enemies, right? I mean, that's a, a favorite um, teaching of Jesus to quote, but it's so hard to do. But we get some insight here, right? Because God actually will judge. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Because we know that's true, because we know God ultimately will judge, he will deal with evil, right? Then we actually, in our role, can, can seek to love those who do evil. Again, hoping that they'll turn from it. And of course, the Lord loved us while we were still enemies. He loves his enemies. Ultimately, again, they will have to answer for their evil, but our hope and his hope is that they would repent and they would turn away. I just think it's interesting often we think, you know, oh, if somebody believes in the judgment of God, if they believe, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, then they must be a really vengeful person. But actually what we see here is to believe that vengeance is ultimately up to the Lord actually increases our ability to love our enemies. His vengeance isn't up to us. We're free from that. Right? And we can just seek with the Lord's help to love enemies that they would turn away from their evil. But again, we need the Lord's help. Right? We cannot do it on our own. So I encourage you as you, you know, take to heart this passage and read it, rather than to read it as, oh no, here's more of my to-do list, To really bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, grow these things in me. Lord, may I receive your love so abundantly that this flows out of me not that it doesn't take effort. I believe it does. But it's effort that we do alongside the Lord. And then finally, as we consider, what does true love look like? We see so clearly here that true love um, uh, shows, demonstrates, lives out empathy. Right? That true love actually cares about what others are experiencing. That it cares about those around us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Right? And of course, if... True love is flowing out of and and a response to god's love then of course it's empathetic right because god again loved us while we were still his enemies right god weeps with those who weep and he rejoices with those who rejoice god is close to the brokenhearted and so of course if our love is a reflection of god's love then it's empathetic love but also you note here and i believe we see this in the first part of romans 12 as well that empathy is connected to humility that if we want to love in an empathetic way, if we want to love caring about others, it actually flows out of humility. And again, I think sometimes we think humility and we think, okay, the humble person is the person who maybe doesn't like themselves very much, or at least the humble person is the person who just never thinks about themselves. And certainly it's true that as we grow in humility, Lord willing, we're going to think less about ourselves and more about others. But in the first part of Romans 12, if you remember, Paul calls the congregation, calls us, right, calls all those who read God's word, to humility. But then he follows that call to humility by saying, use your gifts. right? If you have a gift, use it. If you're gifted in hospitality, do hospitality. If you're gifting in teaching, teach. Right? If you're gifting in service, serve. And so if we say, oh, hospitality is like totally denying anything unique about yourself, any ways you've been gifted. Well, that's not in line with what Paul's just said. He said... You need to use your gifts. It's actually prideful not to use your gifts. It's humble, actually, to say, oh, God has given me strength in these areas. He's given me passions in these areas. And this is how I live them out. And so I would define humility as just seeing ourselves as God sees us, as best as we can, right? With a spirit's help to say, all right, Lord, where are my strengths? What are passions you've given me? Help me to use those. Where are my weaknesses? Where are areas that I still need to grow? And we all have them. And as we seek to live, okay, Lord, help me to see myself as you see me, I believe then more and more we'll see others as God sees them. Right? When we treat others as you know, competitors, right? when it's all about impressing others and we're in competition with others, or they're the audience, maybe we're trying to impress, it's really hard to have empathy. Right? Instead, they're these objects that we're you know, again trying to either win over or trying to beat out. But when we are secure, and this is how the Lord sees me, then we can see others, and seek to see others as God sees them. And so we can be with them in their victories and not be envious. We can be with them in their sorrows and their difficulties, and actually really enter into that with them, with God's help. And so may we grow in empathy. Finally, uh, restoration. I I just want to highlight verse 12. I just feel like with this fall, and the challenges, and um, all that's happening uh, in our um, world right now, in our country, how important this verse is to live in with the Lord's help. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Again, we can't do that without the Lord. He is our hope. Right? He, he is the one who, in the midst of tribulation, reminds us, right, this tribulation will end, and even now I'm redeeming this tribulation. He is the one that we can call out to who said knock right, on the door and I will answer it. Seek and you will find me. Right? I, he is the one that we can call out to in prayer. Not only speaking to him, but listening to him and receiving from him. So that's just a verse that I'm going to be praying for Church of the Cross. I'm going to be praying for uh, restoration um, this fall. May we rejoice in hope. May we be patient in tribulation. May we be constant in prayer with the Lord's help. And I believe as we live again in that love of the Lord... We will be demonstrating, we will be models of the love of God to others. Right? May that be the case, Right? whether it's in a park or in your places of work, in your family. May as you rejoice in his hope, may as you be patient in his tribulation, as you be constant in prayer, may others see what true love is. If I can end with one uh, final uh, uh, Princess Bride uh, reference. Again, if you don't know the movie, my apologies. But may we, as the Lord calls us to true love, answer with obedient. And joyful words as you wish. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you would continue to empower us through your spirit that we may truly love one another and that we may grow in a love for you. And Lord, we acknowledge we cannot do this in our own power. We don't want to fake love. We want to show genuine love. So help us, Lord, pour out your spirit again upon us. And I do pray for restoration, that you would continue to lead them. You continue to strengthen this body. You continue to build them up. And we pray, Lord, that your good news, the new and abundant life that comes through you, would go forth and be proclaimed in power through this congregation and through all your church throughout the world. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.